There's a new offensive coordinator sheriff in town. Garrett Riley joins the Clemson staff, but questions around why did you even need to have him in the first place? Letting Streeter go the same day hiring Riley feels real janky. Doesn't feel like it's full of faith and grace. If you ask me, K. Klubnick has a new coordinator. Will that work out in his favor? Let's talk about it on today's show. You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to today's edition of Locked on ACC. I'm your host, Candace Cooper, joined by Drizzy Drake of Locked on Seminoles. It is Freestyle Friday. We are locked and loaded and ready to go. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before because Bet Online is where the game starts. We're rocking and rolling, talking through a very interesting time down there in Clemson, South Carolina. As we know, Brandon Streeter, former offensive coordinator, was let go yesterday. And as soon as the ink was dry for his severance package, Garrett Riley out of TCU was hired, playing in all the things. And I'm just sitting here saying, Jersey Drake, that is a wild way to start your weekend. I'm I'm, I'm muting myself, but yeah, you're right about that. It's... I mean, what were we saying before the show that uh, Dabo saw the C and TCU was like, ooh, I got to get me that offensive <laughs> coordinator right quick. But no, I mean, this is a monumentally masterful hire. And I mainly say that because we've always seen Dabo kind of like rely on the Clemson family, simply, you know, promoting within and basically no one in or out, especially when it came to transfer portal issues. I'm sorry, transfer portal candidates. But now you're seeing him actually open doors a little bit to transfer portal players coming in. But now you actually go out of your way to hire probably one of the more hottest names in the country when it comes to offensive play calling and bringing him in, but also potentially actually having Mr. Jeff Scott return to Clemson in an analyst role and also recruiting coordinator as well. All right, let's start. we got to break down a couple things. One, why, why fire Brandon Streeter? Why let him go? Especially when we saw in the ACC championship game, how he and K club Nick pretty much lit UNC up. Now I know UNC's defense wasn't great, but Taking DJ out, we clearly saw DJ was the problem. We got rid of him, and why don't why don't you keep the faith? Um, in my personal opinion, and this is just me, please. I don't think Brandon Streeter probably was the final say in any of the play calling. I think he maybe was using Dabo's play sheet. Dabo wanted to play this call. I think he might have been extra eyes up in the box or on the sideline wherever he was actually calling plays. So to me, it's like, well, Dabo, you're not really doing the best job right now offensive play calling wise. Like. Okay, fine, but you guys need to help me out a little bit more. Get someone that can come in that's a proven commodity. I think that's where Garrett Riley comes in. And unfortunately, that leaves Brian Streeter, who's actually been there since 2015 and actually has seen the development of a Trevor Lawrence, of a Deshaun Watson before he left. So, quite frankly, yeah, it's kind of if I'm Brian and I'm pissed. And like you're basically using me as a scapegoat, in my personal opinion. Livid. And my thing is, you give him a year under a quarterback that you felt like wasn't getting the job done. I mean, I could see it if Cade has an off year next season. I know you live and die by the W's and the L's, sure, but it's not like Clemson had a terrible season. So, why not give Brandon a chance to have a full year with a good quarterback, allegedly? Cade is, Cade is supposed to be the second coming, all the things. Why would you let Brandon go? Please enlighten me. I just, I don't understand I- it. I think the only, the only, only thing is, and this is to me also is more what we're seeing with recruiting wise. Like we saw how Clemson had Taj Boyd, uh, like very elite QB. 
But then you had surefire first-round talents in both Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence back-to-back. Mm-hmm. You have DJU come in, and this is probably the first time I think Brandon Street actually had the full, like, basic development-wise with him. Because remember, Jeff Scott helped with the development of both Deshaun Watson and also Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. But if it's just Brandon, you saw DJ have the you know first solid good year, but that was only a few games when there's no tape on him. And yeah. if he's the only one about developing the player, and then you see the decline, maybe if you're th- if you're Dabo or if you're Clemson as a whole, thing, let me bring in someone that actually had to see, oversee the development of a Max Duggan you know, from start to finish and bring him in instead. Because right now, F, like FSU is coming back with that. NC State's coming back also in full force. You're you're not, you're not no longer right now the top alpha dog in, in the ACC heading next season because you're actually being picked to finish actually behind some of those teams. So to me, yeah. it's you want to make sure the development of Kate Klubnik is look going well because we did see that bowl game because that bowl game was ugly. Not only was that bowl game ugly, but I also think just from where Clemson is as a whole, like they're just scared. They're playing scared. They're not playing on the offense as if they have been the best team in the ACC. They're playing on the defense like, oh, my gosh, panic mode. You know, let's fire everybody. Let's figure all things out. And I, wish, I just want to know, as we wrap up this first point of it, where is the introspection from Dabo, right? Where is the like, okay, it's on me. I maybe have not been giving X, Y, Z for this program, blah, 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 like ego check. That's all I'm asking for is it as a Dabo ego check. Will I ever get that? Probably not. But, you know. I mean, like. <laughs> Where so, is the honus on you, head coach? Well, I think, I mean, like, it's really hard for people. They're like the top positions of their field, whether they're being athletics, whether they're being business, to basically kind of have that kind of introspection to, them, to themselves if they're really good at what they do. I mean, we saw Nick Saban literally have to fight tooth and nail. Like, okay, you know what? Fine. I'll improve my offense to a spread offense and go out and hire a Lane Kiff instead of, you know, living and dying by defense. So with Dabo, I mean, maybe the higher Garrett Riley is kind of like that. But to me, it's still not because, like I said, you basically use Brandon Streeter as a scapegoat for your BS really bad play calling that reminded me of your first few years at Clemson. And quite frankly, like, you, you built a standard over there, and now you're being a victim of your own success. But don't be blaming you know people around you that you hired because you hired them in the first yeah. place. I know Tony Elliott is calling Brandon right now, like dog. Just so glad you're free, like free, free my dogs. Like you are better off having a new, new fresh air, fresh light, and all the things. So there's that. But there was somebody that did get hired, right? We have Garrett Riley, the brother of Lincoln Riley, head coach at Oklahoma. He is from TCU, and I know they watched that bowl game and said yes. Let's get this guy. He is the one that is high-flying offense and can really dominate. Like, are you kidding with that? If you're talking about let me give somebody who can go up against really powerful defenses like a Georgia, like Alabama, like hell, even like a Tennessee apparently, and you say to yourself, Garrett Riley is that guy, I am having a little bit of issue. I'd rather keep Brandon. (laughs) I don't know. Just me. So I like Garrett Riley as an offensive coordinator. And also, to be fair, like – they put a 51 on Michigan and Michigan was a very good defense all season. And they, I think they averaged around 40 plus per game, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where also it's like Michigan didn't, it, Michigan didn't come to play. Can we be honest about that? You, you think so? Michigan did not come to play. You think Jim Harbaugh was actually more preparing for like his interviews with the Broncos, with the Colts, with well, the Dolphins? This is a slight aside, but I'm pretty sure last season, he didn't he say, I devote my loyalty to Michigan? Like, where is this coming from? Like, I thought that he was supposed to be the guy that never left. I thought he said he was not looking for NFL t- jobs anymore. Is that not true? I, I'll go I mean, dig I, it up. I, I, I devote my loyalty a lot of things, <laughs> but depending on how much money's coming in the bank, kind of might change for a little bit, you know, unless it's my family. But um, no, I mean, seriously, with, with Gary, Garrett Riley, yeah. it's you see the game against Georgia and TCU, 
you yeah. see how basically it was probably the one of the most embarrassing things probably I think I've ever seen on a sports thing. I literally watched it. I, 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 there's a better word for it, but I don't want you to edit this because it's early in the morning. The way, like, basically, <laughs> they dominate them, it's also kind of, a, like, showcases how much further Georgia is away from a lot of people, especially yeah. a TCU team that relied heavily on transfers and, you know, a lot of, basically, developmental players from the three-star level and up. That's actually also where you see where it's most important to have that strong blue-chip ratio, and yeah. that's where you see people saying that, basically, building a team out to portal is sustainable, but the only yeah. counterpoint with that is that now players in the transfer portal are a lot younger, but to me, yeah. it's just more that Georgia is just they're just bigger than everybody else too. Like they have a bunch of Blastoids, just Bowser's on the roster, just hanging out. Thanos, I think was was is Jalen Carter, in my personal opinion. But yeah, I mean they're just big dudes. Yeah, and I think that you know with TCU and some of those guys who probably lived in a transfer portal, they might follow Riley because you're going to have some better receivers potentially could get some help, another running back that could help Shipley, and maybe that's exactly what you know. Um, Dabo was looking for in the sense of getting more chances. He has to acknowledge that transfer portal might be a, of his benefit these days. Like they're not recruiting at the same, of the same caliber that they used to. Maybe Everybody's not running. <laughs> well, hello. Everyone's not running to Clemson. Okay. They're not running to Clemson like they used to, and they're not the powerhouse, but I mean, I'm not giving up all hope. I still think they're going to be a top three team in the conference. I still think they absolutely have the capabilities to be the best team in the conference, but I will say getting rid of those divisions is going to be very telling for your boys in orange and purple. I will say, what is, do you know what their schedule is for next season? Cause quite <laughs> frankly, like, like I know a lot of people were high up on um, K club heading into the season. Yeah, basically, because you know, oh, because DJ isn't that great, but also we saw him in the first game. He's like, okay, he's a decent player, but he's mainly running yeah. around for his life. You saw him still make very bad freshman mistakes and also just throw some absolute ducks. Hello, and you look. Yeah, no, you look up that schedule, and I we're gonna come back to this and table this. But first, I want to remind everyone that BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. We all know going into next season, where will the best teams in the ACC lie? Right now, it's giving off Florida State, but could it be Clemson as well? You know, we want your way too early predictions. If you love sports podcasts, and even that even you'll find those on Bet Online as well. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more because Bet Online is simply where the game starts. So he mentioned here Brandon Streeter is out at Clemson. Garrett Riley is in from TCU. And we are trying to figure out just what is in front of Clemson going into the 2023 season as Cade Klubnik is at the helm. QB1, no questions about it, no QB competition at all. And maybe he'll get some help from TCU transfers and all the things because there's still another signing day period happening in February. It's just, it's a lot of football all the time. But it's a lot of football all the time. And, <laughs> and I got the schedule in front of me if you want to. Please do. Yes. Yes. Let's do it. So they don't have the dates yet because January 30th is when the official dates actually do come up. But the dates they do have are November 4th. They have Notre Dame, which Notre Dame next season with Sam Harmon, I think is going to be a really fun team to watch. I also think Marcus Freeman, low-key, has, has a very good chance to be one of the best, best coaches actually in the country. Mm. Then you have the rivalry game in South Carolina, which okay. is basically, y'all lost that game last year. Y'all yeah. got, and I was at a wedding the entire time, and the best man of the wedding is a Clemson, is a Clemson alumni, Clemson booster. And that was a very awkward best man speech for him to give after that. Then you play Florida State, you play a play Duke, who is no longer a slouch. You play an NC State Wolfpack team, who has not only added um, Brandon Armstrong, but also added the offensive coordinator from Syracuse that made Gary Schrader look like a damn god. 
Then you have Syracuse, North Carolina, and a Miami team who right now is also hitting transportal very hard as well. So this is basically a, a schedule that it's a little more tougher than recent years. And yeah. to me with this, I mean, it's also it's it's going to be tougher Clemson heading the rest of the way. Garrett Riley is a big addition, so maybe that's why it's like, hey, we need to respond right now to not only divisionless football, but what everyone else in our competitors is doing right now. Brandon Armstrong's confirmed to NC State. I think it confirmed, I think they announced it, didn't they? Hey, maybe maybe, maybe look, I'll you know, the some transfer portals go in and out, but it's Freestyle Friday, so I'm like, you breaking news on the show? How you, you let me know in the backstage, Jersey Drake, what we got going on? But that's fine, it's all good. Yeah, I I still, five, five days ago, five days ago, five days ago. Okay, okay, I was on vacation, so it's fine, it's fine. I really feel like you know, ultimately, Clemson is just not the team of old, but I think that may it's because ACC is a damn good. team. Uh, conference going into next season. I think the fact that Florida State is a national contender and has those things is great for the conference. I think that NC State, if they could figure it out, I don't know why you would pick a quarter, another quarterback who can say can't say healthy. But hey, here we are. We got who we got. MJ Morris gets another year to get some more reps under his belt and all the things, and he's a good solid backup. But Clemson's just not the top dog. Nobody's scared of Clemson anymore. Nobody has that Clemson monkey on their back the same way they used to. Yeah, I think Clemson went from basically you know, a nice little Tiger Roar to a nice little kitty cat meow. It's just more, it's more basically <laughs> saying that we dynasties don't last forever. It's always they been don't. a testament through time. And it's basically not only sports, but also just look at all the history books as well as that. Yeah. Clemson have a very, very elite run for about eight to 10 years, yeah. which is something yeah. that all like any college coach would tell you that. So they would dream for that. But then NIL was definitely something that basically helped with parody, parody in college football. Then you also have the same thing with transfer portals. And you have a Dabo Sweeney who was extremely reluctant overall to utilize the transfer portal, similar to Jeff Halfley. But also with NIL, I mean, we saw the speech that he had, what, about a few weeks ago, a month ago. Like, we, you know, we we have our own name, image, likeness, you know, God's name, image, and likeness, which, listen, like, I'm a Catholic, and I'm a very religious individual. Like, that's fine, but it's, you got to understand that it's, it's different out there. And now you're seeing play, a, lot, a lot of coaches also being someone how Roy Williams kind of like left, you know, out of the blue. It's a different game out there. And basically yeah. it's a lot more player centric. It's going to be a lot harder for a lot of these head coaches to basically maintain continuity, maintain the standards that they want to have, maintain their culture. And it's like, it's, it's going to be difficult right now. We're going to see if these coaches like Dabo actually are up to, uh, up to the fight for it. It's definitely time for some ego checks, especially with guys who are used to the old school way where, you know, the coach is king and he is the, you know, the prominent person. And now you have guys having players give input towards who they want to hire as offensive coordinators. It's turning more and more like a amateur league for the NFL, which is honestly what it should have been all along. But I digress. But now we stand, we transition. Let us know what you feel about the new Garrett Riley hire for Clemson. Leave us some comments on YouTube and all the things and leave us some comments on uh, Twitter at Locked on ACC if you want to follow us there. But we got to talk about some women's hoops before we preview these weekend matchups for the men. I know Jersey Drake is already excited about the first one out here. NC State is upset, number 11 NC State, that is, upset by Florida State last night for the women's game, 91 to 72. Florida State, you know, when they want to be good, they're great. When they want to be bad, they stink. Like, I just, the, the highs and lows, it's all good though. They're still a quality offensive playing team. I want to ask every single voter that does the voting for um, top 25 asking why we aren't ranked yet. I mean, we have Tanaya Latson, who is a, easily the best scorer now in the conference, one of the top scorers in the country. We have basically a Brooke Wyckoff who came in for Sue Semrau. Actually, after her, you know, her uh, her absence, then basically her retirement from coaching college basketball. And we've only not only been one, but two top 15 teams in UNC and NC State and, one, and probably what is the toppest conference for women's basketball, aside from, you know, 
the greats of South Carolina Gamecocks. That's just I'm not gonna I can't I'm not right. going against my girl Dawn Staley at all. Period. But <laughs> so to me, this is a team that it's they. I think they're second or first in the country when it comes to blocks per game, overall blocks. It's a block party down in Tallahassee, and it's a team that I wish the men's team could watch them a little bit, so maybe they can yeah. basically see like how basically they can play together. But overall. It's a solid roster from top to bottom. And, uh, we're just led by Tanaya Latson, who right now is probably the best woman to watch right now in that sport. A thousand percent. Moving on to the next game here, Notre Dame. Hate to be the team that has to play Notre Dame after a bad loss. They mollywopped Wake Forest, beating them 86-47. to 47. Maddie Westbeld having 25 points on the night, saying, hey, it's not just about Olivia Miles. I can score too, and she did just that. I think it's really important for them to have a good, strong bounce-back game after that North Carolina loss. And as you move forward towards the end of the season, they're still a top-10 team for a reason. They still are you know, trying to prove themselves and being in a good position towards conference tournament time as well as NCAA tournament time. I mean, no, I completely agree with that. Something that basically you need to stack the wins together, you know, back to back to back. Keep it, keep the good juices flowing. Because one thing I've always said is like it's, it's better to start getting hot towards the end of your season and heading into tournament play because like that's the one time where you actually want to do be hot, and that's where you see the weirder teams kind of you know play and kind of blossom and step up to the challenge. So I completely agree with that. Yeah, 100%. Moving on to Virginia Tech and Louisville, one of the better games of the night. The Virginia Tech Hokies beat Louisville 81-79. to I'm on the backs of Sule and Kitley combined for 44 points, and I'm just sitting here saying this Virginia Tech team ebbs and flows, but when they are hot, they are hot as fish grease. Louisville, though, a team that we all are so used to being a dominant, at least top four team in the country. They got some head-scratching losses ahead of uh, behind them, but hopefully they can turn things around. I mean, no, I completely agree with that. And Van Life is leading Louisville right now, I think, with 20 points per game. You know, I think three assists as well behind that. Something that that's going to be a fun game because I think the next game is actually on Sunday. I think it is actually against Florida State in Tallahassee. That so that actually might be my game to watch for the weekend. Yeah, a thousand percent. Clemson uh, got taken down by the number 16 team, Duke Blue Devils, 66 to 56. North Carolina beat Virginia 70 to 59. And it was nice to see Carolina win a game that they're supposed to win. Sometimes when they come off a big upset, they usually crap the bed, but it wasn't the case. And that's a very fresh change for them, right? I think they're moving in the right direction because this Virginia team isn't a slouch, right? They're actually a lot better than they have been in past seasons. Syracuse beat Boston College. College, 83 to 70 and then Miami beat beat Georgia Tech 69 to 60 so all around some great ACC matchups for the women and I think that you know like you said this is probably the best conference for women's basketball because on any given night you have to bring your A game I must say like even the middle tier teams like you're saying like ever Virginia those like those teams are they play consistently fundamentally sound basketball they're tough for outs it's 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 kind of similar to I think what we're saying with the ACC Atlantic, where even the military teams for football are like it's like you still need to actually be you know, bring your A game. You can't look past them, and that's something that you can't say a lot about. A lot of conferences actually out there for women's basketball. Yeah, a thousand percent. All right, on to the men, the nitty gritty of it. We have some really good games happening on a Saturday, and the betting action is going to be tried and true as you wake up Saturday morning to lock in your bets for the weekend, Miami. Coming off a big win, Isaiah Wong doing his thing. They'll face off against another good guard team and joiner in Quavion Smith, NC State. They'll face off at noon on ACC Network Extra. How are you feeling about this matchup, Jersey Drake? So right now, Bar Torvik, guys, folks, as we always say before these bets, the betting lines do not come out for these games until the morning of for Saturday. So, folks, right now, I use basically use Bar Torvik. It's not sponsored. It's not an ad. It's just the most math I like to use because basketball, I think, is a lot more numbers-oriented than football. 
But overall, it actually has NC State winning this game by seven and a half points. And to me, this is like you were saying, Isaiah Wong came in the clutch the other day. Jarkel Joyner, though, for NC State, that basically he is shooting nearly 50% from the field, eight playing 85% of his team's minutes, and that's that boy's got that cardio. But to me, overall, <laughs> with this, I it's no secret that over the past years, I actually really do like this Miami team. I really have been a big fan of Isaiah Wong for the past few seasons. I would like Miami actually to cover in this game. And quite honestly, folks, sprinkle a little bit on the money line, even though I know NC State's probably a top 20 team out there for most folks, whether it be advanced metrics or voting-wise. I like Miami actually in this spot to come away the victory. Oh, okay, cool. And I want NC State just to keep building or being competitive in certain these certain wins, having a tough loss, all the things, especially when you're talking about trying to make a bid for the NCAA tournament. North Carolina will take on Louisville. Louisville, they'll be at 2 p.m. on ESPN. And while sometimes it usually is a marquee matchup among some really storied programs, Louisville's looking for his first ACC win. And North Carolina just doesn't want to be the team that gives it to him. But it's not like it – I want to say it's not impossible – it could be a little challenging. We all know North Carolina. Which North Carolina team is going to show up? Will we have Baycott playing? Will Pete Nance play? Without some bigs, it could be as troublesome or a long day for the Heels. Candace. <laughs> so, Bart Torvik rates the teams not only from like Division One, but also like cross, like, you know, mid majors and Division Two. Do you know where Louisville ranks out of all those teams? How many, how, out of how many teams? I think it's about around, around like 400 or something like that. 397. <laughs> 315. So basically, you're in the right area. So, I mean, like, listen, this is a Louisville team that struggled all season in North Carolina. Yeah. I do know they're missing my boy Baycott, and that's sad, but also it's this is a Louisville team that's on a, <laughs> another seven-game losing streak. Their only wins are against a Western Kentucky and a Florida A&M, and even those were like, yeesh. So to me, yeah, I'm not playing with this at all, period. I'm not touching it. It has North Carolina by almost 16 points. They should be winning the game, but if you do have those injuries, Wait on it and maybe quite honestly steer clear of the game, but just take AUNC because until Louisville shows you they can actually play a competitive basketball game, just fade them. Don't play with your food, North Carolina. Pitt will take on Georgia Tech on ACC Network at 3 p.m. They Listen, Pitt coming off a loss against Duke, one that they probably could have squeaked by, but that second half for Duke was incredible. Georgia Tech head-scratching loss to Notre Dame in overtime, and I just sit here and say to myself, yeah, it's a toss-up. I think Pitt is going to take this one handedly, but Georgia Tech, you know, they all, there's always a fighting chance when you have a good coach like Passner. Yeah, I think it's more that's not the players. I would actually look forward to. I think it's with Josh Passner. He's probably one of the better coaches actually in the conference. I wouldn't be surprised if you see here his name with somewhat bigger jobs, which is only so far I can do with Georgia Tech. But Pittsburgh, you're right. They actually are on a two-game losing streak right now. Both those losses were to the number one team in the ACC right now, Duke. I mean, I'm sorry, Clemson. And then you have also against Duke as well following that. And they have a Louisville, Florida State, wait for a stretch afterwards. So quite frankly, this will be the perfect game to kind of like, you know, get, I guess rev their engine a little bit and get ready for those next two. A thousand percent. Virginia will take on Florida State. Listen, free my dog, Caleb Bills. I just, I hate it for him. I hate it for bro. Cleveland is right behind him as someone who might need to go ahead and hit that portal when it's all said and done. But Virginia team coming off a good win against North Carolina. Ben Vanderplas doing his damn thing. And McNeely coming off the bench being spicily hot. Hey, they need to keep that thing rolling, but they also need to see some um, star action from their starters. Yeah, free coaching. I, I, we ain't freeing Caleb Mills or Matthew Cleveland. I mean, you could free Matthew Cleveland, but no, I mean, you're right. This is also it's Florida State team. Like, typically in the past, this is a very great defensive effort. That was the one thing that Coach Ham always harped on. Like, I can teach you defense as I was able to get a Scotty Barnes, a Devin Vassell, Patrick Williams to commit to Florida State. 
But this is a Virginia team that's, like you're saying, is coming off a really impressive win against UNC and also against Syracuse or, uh, the week before, too, as well. And they have Virginia Tech the week after that. So to me, with this, you're going to have to rely. If FSU wants to have a chance to win this game, they need to do what they did against Georgia Tech, basically not taking bad shots, you know, picking picking where they want to shoot up on the field. And also, we need to be more consistent beyond the arc because right now I think we're, I think we're bottom, I think, 100 in three-point percentage. We're also bottom 250 in two-point percentage. Free throws, also really bad. So we just need to be able to – if you hit your shots against Virginia – you could win this game, but right now Virginia, I think, favored by is going to be favored by nine points. Take Virginia to cover this game. Ooh, we we talked about Clemson for the majority of the show, but from a basketball standpoint, they are the hottest team right now in the ACC from a men's standpoint. They'll take on a Duke team that ebbs and flows in terms of whether they want to be great or whether they want to be a freshman. And so we have them at 5 p.m. on ACC Network at Clemson. I think this is the first time that Clemson wins, and they went handedly against the Blue Devils. Yeah, I have. They have it right now as Duke winning by one point, but no. The way Clemson's playing right now, they are uh, hands down probably at this moment the best team in the conference. Yeah. And I do want to know if Duke loses this game, do we actually start talking about John Shire? Please. In the way we talk about Hubert Davis next last season, I'm because ready. right now at at this point it's getting. Listen, like I know it's Duke. I know he's the he's the chosen prodigal son, but like you got like it's a different standard. You can't be losing to Clemson in basketball. Yeah. As I, yeah. I don't. It doesn't matter if they have basically LeBron James, Kevin Durant, all of them on the team. It's Clemson at basketball, and also you are Duke. Like yeah. it's getting to the point now where all, you you had lost to NC State, you lost by eleven to Wake Forest, and, the, and also you lost to Purdue and Kansas, and you lost all those games except for Kansas by almost twenty points or twenty points or more. Yeah. It's getting to the point where your losses, like I get that they're freshmen, but most of college basketball right now is being played strictly by and started by freshmen. That's not yeah. an excuse. In my yeah. Opinion. yeah. And it, I can't tell whether like they're going to gel at the right time and by the right time, I mean the NCAA tournament or all the things, but they are definitely playing like, Hey, we just happen to play for Duke, but I'm going to get mine. If you get yours out of it too, like cool, whatever, you know, all the things, but maybe they'll, maybe they'll turn things and beat the number one team in the ACC to give them a boost of confidence as they head through the rest of this conference matchups in the season. Notre Dame, Syracuse Joe Girard saying he is a long lost Beheim brother and he balled out last uh two couple days ago against Virginia Tech but this Notre Dame team they're trying to get that conference win streak going and maybe they'll do that again here at Syracuse uh on yep 7 p.m on ACC Network <laughs> it's, all, it's all good it's all good I mean they needed that though because remember they started a conference play with losses to Miami Boston College yeah. and North Carolina and they were all pretty damn bad losses yeah especially the one even though I think we both agreed last week that Boston College is one of those teams like, you know, they should be better and are starting to kind of actually be a little bit better overall. And then you have a Syracuse team that always, to me, they're always like a fun team to watch. You never need to count them out ever regardless. But they should probably be winning this game. I don't care if it's Joe Girard. So, I mean, they, yeah. they got it. Final games of the night, 8 p.m., uh, we have Wake Forest and Boston College. It'll be another great matchup as we get through our ACC lineup. Wake Forest looking better and better between Hildreth, between Appleby, between all the guys. I think that it's really important for Wake Forest to continue to build on these wins, especially considering they are not one of the give-me's when it comes to people picking them for NCAA tournament. No, I completely agree. And they actually have a really good – they need to bolster their resume. And you already had that, you know, beating up on Louisville, beating up on Florida State. I don't know why. 
I forgot the kid's name, but we left. I think it's their their highest percentage three point shooter. We left them in the yeah, it was Demario Monsanto. We left them in the corner by himself, wide open the entire game. I'm sitting there, I was like, "What are you doing? This kid yeah. is is automatic from beyond the arc. Stop yeah. doing this." But that's that's <laughs> for a different day. As you can see, my PTSD right now is acting yeah. up. But they have they play Boston College and then they play Clemson, but then they have a tough stretch with Virginia, Pittsburgh. North Carolina State and Duke. And those are all games they most likely will actually be underdogs in. And so they need to rack up these wins. So that's starting off with the, with the Boston College game is they need to win this game if they actually want to be taking it seriously for um, NCAA tournament consideration. A thousand percent. So many good games happening over the weekend. Make sure you check them all out, as well as women women's matchups that will happen on Sunday. It's just full of basketball season. We're in the thick of it, but clearly football can't let us go either. I We have so many thoughts, again, around Dabo Sweeney, Brandon Streeter, Garrett Riley. Uh, hit us all up with all of your thoughts as well on YouTube and leave it in the comments section. Make sure you download, subscribe to the podcast. We are on the road to 1,000, and we can't do it without you, so please make sure you subscribe there. We got about 850. We're, we, listen, to get 1,000, it doesn't take much. Subscribe if you only watch one episode a week. That's fine by me. You subscribe. You know when it's coming, and you can be made aware. So do what you do. That would be the best 2023 if we could get to 1,000. Drizzy Drake, can you please remind these folks of where they can find you, follow your work? You can follow me at the tag below. You see tally underscore underscore Drake on Twitter. Promo codes at FSU goal zero and five. I'm going to be, he's been a little bit busy at work, so I'm not going to, you know, give them that much of a head time for um, uh, his weird nick for his new weird Twitter handle. But please, folks, also follow us on the YouTube. Like I said, like, share, and subscribe. And also hit us up on Knowles Anonymous. That's our Twitter account where we engage with our fans, get themes for our episodes, and then hit up, uh, get comments for our man tour. Man, like Mondays, and as always, we're fans first, people second, and content creators third. No doubt about it. Guys, come back on Monday with Kenton Gibbs as we lock and load and give you some recaps of that basketball, maybe some additional football news. Some other people might get their walking papers. We might have some new additions. All the things you'll find out on the episode. Have a great and safe weekend for Candace Cooper and Jersey Drake. Until next time.